Welcome to Ember Weekend. I'm Jonathan Jackson. I'm Chase McCarthy. And uh, yeah, we got some stuff to talk about right off the bat. Corrections to previous episodes. We were so wrong. Yeah, I was hoping that you'd say something like that. Yeah, so two weeks ago, before Mike North's interview, we mentioned that the documentation team would be eager to use Ember Twiddle inside of the actual guides. And uh, and I found an issue, um, I was actually pointed to this issue by uh, Eled Shahar, a salad fork. The, the issue is 483 on the on the Ember.js guides repo. And, uh, and it basically is kind of outlining the problems that they had with JS bins. And keeping them in sync is hard. And the, the fact that they're not really PRable is a problem. And making sure that they always work. So there was a period there where um, the emberjs.jsbin.com uh, URL wasn't doing the right thing. So, uh, so there's, there's a lot of, it was fraught with kind of like risk. Um, so I think that uh, th- those risks are similar to what would be a problem with Ember Twiddle is that now uh, trying to keep the guides in sync and making sure that they always work is going to be hard. So rather than use uh, Ember Twiddle, they're likely going to use uh, snippets that are embedded into the repo itself so that they'll be um, PRable and uh, it'll be a little bit easier to keep track of things. So during this process, I did find out some more things about Ember Twiddle that I am really excited about. One of which is that there's a twiddle.json that allows you to specify versions of all of your uh, Ember apps dependencies and Ember itself. So you can you can actually set versions and stuff like that. And when you serialize it to a gist, that will be saved. So that's really, really cool. And it makes this just a perfect bug reporting tool. So you're going to be able to report bugs really easily. But the the issues that existed for JSBin still exist for Twiddle on with regard to the guides. So, um, so it'll likely uh, not be used there anytime super soon. So still a really cool tool, but the purpose of it is more for bug tracking and proof of concepts. So there have been some great changes to Pretender made recently. Uh, Mike North's uh, pull request to add hosts uh, was pulled in. So now you have uh, the support for multiple hosts uh, through Pretender, which I actually until recently didn't even know that was a limitation. I just never ran. I never ran into that. Yeah. So when you when you say hosts, uh, a couple a couple of things. One Pretender library by uh, Trek Glawicki. Uh, yeah, and I think there's a, there are a lot of people that have had their hands in it. I know that Eric helped with that. Eric Bryn, right. Well, I think it was I think it was originally built with some of the training stuff that they were doing um, in mind. Yeah, yeah, that's what, that's what it seems like. Is that you know, like we ran into this case where spotty yeah. internet connection uh, yeah. in, at conferences or in, during training, like you yeah, don't exactly. want to, you know, with people paying for things like that, you don't you don't want that. Yeah. Um, so this was like a good fallback. So yeah, so to to kind of reiterate, to recap, uh, Pretender is a library. You've probably used it if you're listening to this podcast. Um, and what it does is it, it basically takes over X, XML HTTP requests. Is that is that right? Yeah, it's like yeah, XML HTTP request. Yeah, it takes it over and basically intercepts all the things and then gives you uh, a way to specify responses so you can handle that stuff. And and you're right, Chase. I didn't know that the uh, the host thing was a limitation until recently either. Um, right. I have always used it, you know, in in its initial, you know, envision envisioning as uh, just a way to to stub your backend. Right, but it's a, becoming increasingly rare that I write an application that only hits one server. Yeah, um, like uh, a lot of times I used to funnel things through Rails, um, but most of the time, most of the time now I, I find ways to, you know, offload that to the client, let them just hit the service directly. If, you know, if that's secure, if that's not, you know, like sometimes you don't, you don't want to tie your client to, to hitting a hundred APIs. Um, but I definitely want to, in the case of like processing 
Um, I don't want I don't want their web server to have to deal with any processing. I don't right. like throwing things off onto a worker or something and having the the client pull. So if I can, I'm going to get offloaded to the client. Yeah, so, totally. So re- recently, I had a um, a web scraper um, that uh, we we end up moving from doing from providing our own web scraper to using an external scraper, um, and we you know we're easily able to transition over, um, but testing it was hard. So the 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 API interface um, originally uh, was that the Rails server was hitting the scra- that scraper and doing some some of its own work, um, and then we moved that off to the client, and now all of a sudden we have no way to test it. So this was this was a Rails app, and there were, there is a gem that sort of tries to do this using Capybara and right. WebKit, um, but it's notoriously buggy, really slow, uh, felt really clunky. And and it's, I, it's like tied specifically to the Capybara WebKit driver, right? You can also use it with uh, Poltergeist or something, right. but right. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it was it was just it just felt felt bad seeing that seeing that i'd already used pretender for for so long or or used uh mirage with pretender um i I was like this should be really easy i know how to do it um i just need to get let my rail side um pass data from my test to pretender and so i just built a little middleware um ended up working working good once 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 the uh, multiple hosts were supported everything worked fine is you know really fast yeah, don't have any complaints. So now, so now with the with the Mike Norris, so so you had uh, my understanding of this is that you had actually built this, uh, not knowing that limitation, uh, and then it didn't work because you no know, host support. And now this PR basically allows the thing that you had already built to function properly. Right. It didn't work initially because Pretender had an issue with old versions of jQuery, um, and there's there's some issues where uh, Pretender wasn't mocking out the the XHR request correctly because of like some some callbacks in old versions of jQuery like the, I think it's like specifically the on load versus on ready state change right um, but so I just updated my version of jQuery there, there's a, there's an issue in to get that to get that that fixed the problem is that it's hard to to know how to deal with it, it since pretender itself isn't tied at all to jQuery it's it's tied to the XML HTTP request um, it's hard to know like when am I supposed to deal with this different because you have a weird version of jQuery, an old version of jQuery right. without tying pretender to jQuery. So I think, you know, they're still weighing in on it. I'm trying to think of a way to do it. Um, it's not very obvious. If anybody has any advice, that's, you know, there's yeah. a, there's an issue open on it. And uh, I think you, a PR. Yeah. And uh, you know, this is on the, on the tail end of, of some reorganization around the pretender uh, library itself, uh, moving it into its own organization and adding a little bit more, um, uh, a few, a few more uh, contributors. I want to say. I think Mike North's on the org for Pretender. Yes, yeah, he is. Um, and uh, and and allowing. So basically, the idea is to um, is to make sure that Pretender is uh, is you know as as more uses are coming up for it, it can be more like with more structure around it. So I'm really excited to see all the movement for for Pretender uh, into this organization and all this, all the work that's been going into it lately. So very cool. So deprecations. This is a word that will, uh, in in certain minds, elicit quite a bunch of emotion uh, lately. I've uh, on a client project I've upgraded from one twelve to one thirteen, and dealing with the deprecations uh, in one thirteen that were introduced in one thirteen has been a source of a lot of frustration and uh, and and a lot of a lot of pain. So Robert Jackson and Matthew Beal put together a, a an Ember add-on called Ember CLI Deprecation Workflow. And I've pulled this into Ember Weekend, and I've used it on the client project. Uh, in both in both scenarios, it's been uh, amazing. 
so you just go in there, you install it, you go into your console, um, and it will um, you'll run a little function. It creates uh, a list of all the deprecations that you have, and you throw this thing over into your uh, your Ember app, and then it has a line item for each one that says silence all of them. So it silences everything. Um, so you get this nice, clean, pristine console that you can start thinking about. And then uh, one by one, you change these from silence to throw. And then uh, when you refresh your app, your application will blow up. And then you fix each one of these deprecations. You get nice little stack traces and you can track it down. It's much, much easier to track down. And then when you're done and it doesn't blow up anymore, you remove that line item and you go to the next deprecation. Seems cool. Yeah. So I've, uh, I've, I've been going through this on, on uh, multiple projects and, uh, and each time, uh, it's been, um, it's been like the difference between just letting some deprecations exist because you're like, oh, well, my console's already gross, uh, to, to changing it. And I've already experienced a couple of things where, uh, a deprecation will show up and it's not my app's responsibility. It's another app's responsibility. So some add-on I've included, and I've been able to either create a PR or find a PR that adds fixes the deprecation. So it's kind of this really neat tool to um, to help the whole community. So you can make upstream changes and you can silence it. So so you don't have to deal with the pain of the deprecation, but you can still uh, while while you're waiting for PR to be merged, you can just silence it and then come back to it later uh, once you know that it's uh, been updated. And uh, and it's a really cool way for the community to kind of work together to help with deprecations, especially in the add-on ecosystem. So is this something you kind of envision, you just maybe make a branch, add the add-on, and then maybe maybe keep that branch you know, up to date, keep keep rebasing as you're fixing things? Or like, do you would just leave this in your app and like... Yeah, I would leave it. Um, the, config, uh, the config file that you actually add is just, it, it's pretty straightforward. Um, and it's, it's something that conveys a little bit of intention. It's basically like... Uh, like an acknowledgement, like I know this deprecation's here. Yeah, I'm gonna, exactly. I'm gonna fix it. Yeah. So don't don't ignore the deprecations in your console, or have these constant reminders, or even so many deprecations that it actually slows your system down, which um, or slows slows your, your your browser down. When rather say, hey, I know about these, and we have a process for removing them. And right now, these are the ones that are in play, and uh, you know, try to keep that up to date as po- as much as possible, and and kind of build it into your your normal workflow. Yeah, it seems like you could also like triage them, like order order them in that config in the order that you want to yeah. uh, to tackle them. Absolutely, yeah, that would be a nice way to convey even more meaning. Um, one of the other things that you could do with it is uh, certain uh, deprecations uh, you could set to throw and leave in as a precaution. So basically, like like for instance, bind adder, you can throw that into your deprecation thing as a throw. So anytime someone uses bind adder, even though it's only a deprecation, it'll throw and blow up your test suite, and that could be. <laughs> That could be a way to kind of help uh, something similar to like JSCS to help um, some style style guidelines as well. Yeah. So Ember CLI deprecation workflow, very cool. I definitely recommend it uh, if you are doing if you're in the process of upgrading your apps. Uh, definitely give it a look. So on the topic of deprecations, um, if you've never seen it, there's a there's actually a deprecation section in the Ember.js website um, that describes all the deprecations uh, in detail and you know. Kind of most most are you know pretty benign and things like you know something's been something's been removed or something's been nested under some other object. Well, there's a lot of work that goes into creating that guide, and the guide team uh, needs your help. Uh, if you want to look through, there's a there's an issue that uh, shows all of the deprecations that should be on the guide and are not or need to be updated. 
So we'll we'll put this uh, link in the show notes. It's issue two two five six on the ImageJS website repo. It, it, most of them are, seem like they're pretty they're pretty simple ways to you know kind of get your feet wet and help can contribute to the Ember community. Yeah. Um. What, what's an example of a deprecation? So there's a there was a helper on Ember called uh, OneWay for a computed property that was a uh, OneWay bound, um, and it used to just be accessed through Ember OneWay, and now it's Ember Computed OneWay. Right. So they're they're usually pretty simple things like that. I mean, you're not you're not making the code changes. You're just going in and you know updating the guides to reflect what has been changed. Yeah, I think I saw some some Slack conversations about um, about this, and it's not necessarily like uh, beginner level kind of. Uh, contributions that you can make here you have to know a little bit about it but i think there are a lot of people out there that that have the understanding and just don't necessarily have the the experience dealing with the the actual repos so this is this is a good place for people with a little bit of experience with these deprecations to come in and you know contribute if they want to and there's issues around a a lot of these so you can potentially find some that are uh, tagged as not done but they have an issue around them and the issues typically describe you know in depth what needs to be added to the guide. So yeah. Uh, yeah. If you have any experience at all, you can, you can definitely make, uh, make some headway. If not totally go in and try uh, someone, someone will walk you through it or help yeah, you. Absolutely. Yeah. I think this is a, this is a great way to get your feet wet for sure. All right. And uh, the last thing we're going to mention is, uh, you know, the biggest thing we're going to mention probably, and that is uh, Ember 2.0. Cue the applause. Chase, are you, you're editing this week. So cue the applause, Chase. I'm clapping right now. You're clapping right now with your mind. Yeah, I'm just gonna replay the section in the beginning when we synced. Oh yeah, cool, nice. <laughs> like over, just overlap. All <laughs> just of overlap. Them. Yeah, that, that Mike North had that idea. That's that's an yeah. amazing idea. Yeah. So Ember 2.0 got released, and it's super exciting. It it kind of uh it kind of sets uh sets a standard here, which I really appreciate. And it's basically the One X series uh, had a bunch of evolution and change. Uh, a lot of it happened naturally, and it you know it, it was a two year release. I want to say, uh, give or take. Um, and throughout that process, the deprecations were introduced and things had to change and you had to move your app. Uh, but once you got to the end of the one thirteen cycle, which was completely semver, um, two O just removes the deprecation. You removes the deprecated functionality. So you're able to basically clean up your code base. So now we can have a whole, a clear one runway for new features. Uh, this is a really cool way to do it. And, uh, and I'm excited that, you know, the line in the blog where it says, um, what features have been added in 2.0 and it says this line left intentionally blank because the idea here is to remove functionality, uh, remove deprecated functionality and and allow for a cleaner runway on these other new problems that they have for the 2X series. Uh, things like angle bracket components and uh, routable components, removing uh, views, removing controllers, those sort of things. Like give it runway to, to kind of mature in the same way that the 1X series was able to mature. Yeah, I saw that there's, there's already some uh, sites that are live with 2.0 so yeah i think I, I saw the first site i saw was bustle i want to say and they were on it the same day i want to say so yeah it's pretty I mean, exciting and that was that was kind of the goal like if you had updated to 1.13 you should just be able to flip the switch yeah i think they were probably on the 2.0 betas yeah still <laughs> still totally it, it's really exciting so congrats to the core team and all of the maintainers and uh, people who supported uh the ember community and helped make this possible big shout out super excited it's awesome All right, and that's it for this Ember weekend. I'm Jonathan Jackson. And I'm Chase McCarthy. And we'll see you next weekend.